Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletaub from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from the Twin Cities is Courtney Nordrum. Courtney is Regulatory Counsel and Chief Compliance Officer from Deluxe. She's also the person who started our podcast series. Uh, Courtney, thanks for joining us from the other side of the microphone. Uh, always happy to join you, Adam. And it is a beautiful 48 degrees here in the Twin Cities. So everyone around the world can be jealous. Wow. I'm, you know, I'll keep quiet on what the weather here is in Los Angeles today. So um, today, instead of the weather, we're going to be talking about social media compliance, which is a topic that you addressed in the newest edition of the Complete Compliance and Ethics Manual. You know, when it comes to social media, you would think by now that we would all know what to do and what not to do on it, but we clearly don't. Um, you know, problems still abound. And while most companies probably wish their employees never touched it, that's not practical, uh, nor would it be lawful, as it turns out. Uh, the National Labor Relations Board has weighed in on the topic. Can you take people through what the NLRB has said? Sure. So the NLRB, I will warn you, um, changes with every administration. So President gets to appoint members to the National Labor Relations Board. And those members then enforce the National Labor Relations Act. So every administration, the NLRB shifts and they tend to go one way with conservative administrations and one way with with liberal administrations. So right now they're in the middle of a shift, but things that haven't changed and have stayed steady since uh, probably around 2010 is that your employees are allowed to use social media and for the most part you're not allowed to limit what they do on social media as long as it's not having a negative impact on the reputation or credibility of your business. That being said, uh, there are a whole lot of nuances <laughs> that go along with that but generally under the guise of protecting employees' rights to unionize, they protect employees' rights to gripe about their employers on social media. Well, wow, which is something obviously that you know happens a lot, and you know I can see how there's a tremendous range of interpretations because you know what damages your reputation is subjective, uh, obviously to people. Now, they're not the only authority out there, though. You know, some of Elon Musk's tweets, for example, have caught the attention of the SEC. Um, what's their stance on social media? So the SEC is really concerned with making sure that anyone who invests in a company or buys stock has access to information about that company at the same time as everyone else so that they don't create insiders and insider trading. The problem is Elon Musk is very active on Twitter and his Twitter followers sometimes get information before it's officially posted on the Tesla or SpaceX official SEC sites. And so the problem that's created is that those Twitter users who follow Elon then get information before the general public does. And so they can go and jump on Tesla stock buy up the stock before it goes up a hundred dollars after the formal official announcement and the 
Elon has actually gotten into trouble repeatedly. It's now four or five times with the SEC to the point where the SEC made Tesla appoint a general counsel to babysit the CEO's Twitter because he they they consider the uh, announcements that he makes on Twitter to be so egregious that they are now charged with babysitting the CEO. It doesn't work, though. No, and isn't he, I think, challenging the SEC in court now on this topic? He is, and he has been. Um, I, I'm not sure where it is exactly in the court process now, but I do know that the SEC has failed to take any sort of drastic action. So under the SEC rules, they could remove him as CEO of Tesla for the violations he's committed, but they've chosen not to because they consider him so important to Tesla that mm -hmm. removing him would affect the stock so much. So they've been pretty lenient with their enforcement. They basically keep um, asking pretty, pretty, please don't do this anymore. <laughs> well, it'll be interesting to see how this one evolves, you know, with uh, Elon Musk, it's the world is filled with surprises. Now, in addition to the NLRB, the SEC, there's also the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Um, what do they have to say about social media usage? So they are really consistent. So the, the EEOC says, basically, you can't discriminate in hiring and firing for any of these protected classes. So most commonly, we think of you know race, gender, national origin, religion, uh, family status, etc. So the warnings that the EEOC give are basically, hey, if you do so social media searches about your folks, you cannot use anything you find against them. So if someone does a social media search of me, they're going to see probably that I'm female, that I'm white, that I'm Jewish, that I'm married to a man, etc. All of those things, they're not allowed to take into consideration for hiring and firing me. And so if you're doing these social media searches, you have to find a way to make it to document that you're not using any of these protected factors against your candidates or your employees. So it can get a little sticky. The, the manual has some good tips on that. Well, that's uh, something else to be concerned about, given you know how many people will, in fact, go and do these searches and you don't know what they're taking away from them. So given all these rules, what makes for a reasonable policy when it comes to employees' independent use of social media? I tend to go um, toward the simple and plain language is best. So lay out the rules for your employees. Hey, you can use social media. Do not share confidential information, including do not share, you know, our customer names, our marketing plans, our, uh, if we're a, a healthcare organization, don't share patient data, etc. So explain what confidential information is. Don't share confidential information. Don't do anything that would reflect negatively on the organization, which you can have kind of as general, you know, this applies to all of our policies. 
And then basically, if you mis make a mistake or if you screw up, let us know. And, and that's a really important one because a lot of times there are people who will tweet something and then 30 minutes later realize that it was probably not the smartest idea to tweet that, so they delete it, but it lives on the internet forever. And so if an employee makes a mistake or if they do something that perhaps they regret, coming to the organization to the compliance office and saying, hey, I did this, I want to make sure, you know, it, it doesn't have any ill effects is really the smartest way it can be handled. Sunshine sanitizes. So if, if you bring the problems to us, we can manage them. And if we don't know about them, we can't. So. Well, and it goes to the point that the cover-ups, you know, usually more damaging than the initial crime is and creating an environment where employees know that they can come forward and be treated fairly in these situations certainly probably helps for social media, but everything else the compliance team does. Now, employees tweeting and posting to TikTok isn't the only problem. You know, most every company these days has its own social media team. And sometimes that team in the marketing department can go astray in their messaging. How should compliance teams best work with them to make sure that they're following the rules? So I suggest two things. Um, one, having a separate policy for the people you pay to use social media on behalf of your organization. So your regular social media policy doesn't really apply to them because you want these people on social media all day. And two, I think that they should have a plan, a calendar, and some, I like to call them ditches. So here are the things you don't want to talk about. Here are the things you don't want to touch. And everything else is clear road and you can go forward. It's really a, a training issue less than a, or more than a policy issue in, in my mind. So it's less of here are bullet points what you must and must not do, and more of a conversation to have with those folks to say, here's what's a good idea. Here's what tends to be a bad idea. And if we make uh, if, if we make some sort of assertion about our product or service, we have to be able to back it up. A, a lot of it is, is talking about how the marketing rules apply, if we have endorsements, the hashtag ad stuff. So to me, it's a lot of training on those marketing folks as well as a specific policy for them. Well, it's one of those things where, you know, policy training I think is gonna be important for a long time to come because social media, you know, keeps changing all the time. And with it, new challenges come as long with all the new opportunities. Well, Courtney, thank you for sharing these insights with us and also for authoring the chapter, Social Media Compliance in the Complete Compliance and Ethics Manual. I want to thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Turtletaup from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.